the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Welcome to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Today is like oh, my absolute pleasure to sit down with Stacey Magdalujo, who is a director on the Purpose and Inclusion team at PwC. Uh, she's someone that I've been friends with for over a decade, uh, and she is doing really cool work to advance inclusion um, in a massive organization. She's also just a really cool human who was a founding member of the Girls Club Mastermind. Today, we talked about everything from how improv has shaped her approach to her corporate job, to the stories we tell ourselves and how to use data to craft a better narrative in your own mind, to leading with gratitude and what it looks like and how you can tap into it. I just know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Stacy as much as I did. to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am so excited to be sitting down today with one of my favorite humans on the face of the planet, Stacey Magdalio. She is a director on the Purpose and Inclusion team at PwC um, and an all-around sustainability badass. <laughs> Stacey, it's so fun to get to have you on the podcast. Yes, this is so fun. I feel like we're just talking and we're out for a run. Totally. I mean, honestly, I have so much fun running with you and I feel like I always have like some life insight or inspiration as a result of our run conversations that I was like, I feel like we should share this maybe with some other people. Yeah. Um, and I know no matter what, we'll have a great time. So. Yes, yes, agreed. Amazing. Well, before we jump into questions, would you mind just briefly introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, so the hardest part is over, which is pronouncing my last name, which, <laughs> which you did. Um, but as Liz mentioned, I'm Stacy Magdaluyo. I am uh, living in San Diego, which is my hometown. Um, I'm a mother to... Uh, just funny, curious uh, two-year-old named Raimi. Um, and I have a wonderful husband, Pete, um, who's been just an awesome partner, uh, especially over the last couple of years, being new parents uh, during the pandemic. Um, and as Liz mentioned, I'm, a, I'm working at PwC and um, I'm really exploring this space of diversity, equity, and inclusion um, within a pretty large company here in the U.S. Uh, so a lot of new things have happened in the last two years, um, but a lot of learnings that I think are just, I'm so excited to share, um, one of which obviously being the uh, Girls Club, um, being one of the founding members. 
I, but yeah, in general, I, I love to do anything related to music, um, whether it's singing in the car, <laughs> singing with people in karaoke or dancing. Um, unfortunately, my, my son loves to do those same things. So it's a nice little break from, from work, but I am happy to be here and to be talking to you, Liz. Yay. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to do a shameless plug for when I do, I do feel like your life more than anyone I know is the musical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And also I'll never forget um, as context, Stacey and I actually met in grad school at UCSD and I knew Stacey that you were a singer, like high level, um, but I had never heard you sing and we were having our talent show um, and I remember I was in the shower, like getting ready to go to the talent show and you were practicing Adele. And I was like, how did Adele get into my apartment? Like, <laughs> Just casually dropped by. I yeah. was so blown away. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> you can like all cats sing. <laughs> oh, man. So cool. Yeah, I didn't know you could hear me, but now I know. <laughs> Um, I love it. Well, um, so because this is the Women Changing the World podcast, I love opening with like the biggest question, which is Mm -hmm. if you could change one thing about the world, what would your one thing be? Yes. Um, Assuming it could be easy. uh, (laughs) I would love for everyone to have more empathy in every interaction, right? Whether it's with people you know, family or friends, people you don't know. Um, or our planet, right? Just understanding that everyone's going through something. Everybody has some sort of frailty or insecurity. So what if we just took care of each other rather than waste our energy and taking each other down? Mm. Um, So (laughs) easier, way easier to think and dream and say than to have happen. But that's what I would change. I love that though. I feel like it's, it actually is something that is so accessible on an individual level of just taking a minute to like ask the question as we engage with people, like what might be going on? Like what's the most generous mm-hmm. explanation for this situation? Um, totally. It's so hard. <laughs> we definitely don't do it enough or we assume, right? Someone's coming with negative intent or we assume that somebody's doing something you know, on purpose. But I think if we just, to your point, right, like that is an action we can take every day on a very small level. Um, And all those things would just, I think, have a multiplying effect, right? Like if you do that, if you treat one person that way, or someone sees you treat the earth a certain way, right? We care for our earth. The hope is that that just continues to be in people's minds as they go on and talk to somebody else or interact with the earth in their own way, but it's wishful, but I, I feel like it's worked in a little way. And if anyone's seen Ted Lasso, <laughs> I wonder, like, you know what that means. <laughs> uh, I love it. I wondered how long we would go in our conversation before Ted Lasso came up. I'm sure this is not the last time. <laughs> I know. New drinking game. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, for anyone listening who has a glass in front of them, take note. Um <laughs> So I'm curious, can you share, I know you shared a little bit of this, um, just in San Diego life and Pete and Rainey, but what does your day-to-day right now currently look like? What's on your plate? What fills your days? Yeah. um, So work from home, (laughs) hashtag. 
um, or work from hot tub, which is a term that Liz and I have created. <laughs> hey, if you can do your work, do your work from a place that makes you happy. Um, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a small but important T, W-F-H-T. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, during the day I, I am working, I, um, you know, I'm excited that I get to lead a, a team of people who really inspire me every day. We're a lot of fun. We're data nerds. We're passionate about making change, but I think that we have a very lighthearted, just fun team. Um, and so we are really, we're a brand new team. Um, and with that comes, you know, a, a lot of responsibility, right, to, to really think about how does a big company really support underrepresented groups in their careers um, or, you know, to help them feel more of a sense of belonging, um, you know, and how do we use data to really do that and accelerate that change, Um and the hope is, right, if we get things right <laughs> within our own four walls, you know, similarly, that multiplier effect of, well, could could we share this with other companies? Like, what have we learned that we could then tell others about? Um, so it's really scary and hard, but exciting all at the same time. Um, so that's, you know, my day job, if you will. And then outside of that, I really, really, really love connecting with other women who are also doing hard things to try to make the world better. Um, so we mentioned the girls club and, you know, that's really something Liz, you manifested into reality. <laughs> um, but it really changed my approach to, you know, really anything at, at work or at home. Um, mostly, right. It's this concept of creating community uh, and replacing sometimes the very harsh inner voices that we can have, that I have in my own head, with just empathetic, empowering voices of other women in this community. And I just feel like that that's so nourishing to me to be able to just talk to people, know that I'm not alone, know that, hey, my mistakes from the past could help somebody not make that mistake um, has been really awesome. Um, and then I, you know, mentioned I'm a, I'm a mom and a wife and uh, juggling all that obviously isn't easy. I don't think anyone would say that's easy, um, but I have learned to just realize like, oh, that gives me such energy, you know, like if you truly disconnect from all the other stuff, and then get to be present and focus on, you know, just the moments with your family, like that helps fuel the other parts of my life. And it took me so long to realize that because I was always thinking like, oh, let me, let me think about work while I'm watching my son. Mm. And that just, nobody really wins there. So it was like, oh, it's all just fueling each other. If you focus on one thing and disconnect from the other, it'll help you when you return to, to work as an example. Oh, I love that observation so much of like, just to 
to fully, and I know it's like, I'm sure a constant dance. I mean, I'm not a mom, but Mm. a constant dance of like, but how do we like fully be present for the thing that we're actually doing (laughs) as opposed to trying to like mentally manage all of it all the time? Yeah, because you don't really get points for doing that. (laughs) Like no one's going to be like, great job. You thought about 17 things a day. (laughs) Nope. Just you. Um, and actually what, I can't remember where I was when I thought about this, but um, it's probably at something where it was like a storytelling event. Um, my husband's really, really, really good at telling stories. His whole family is, um, they're from Kentucky. That was like one of the first <laughs> observations I noticed. It's like, oh, everybody just sits around and tells stories. Um, but I just remember thinking, uh, oh, I started journaling on the flight back from Kentucky after meeting my husband's family for the first time. And I was like, I should make a list of all the stories that I want to tell in the future. But I looked back at the rest of my journal and it was all to-do lists. Mm. Like that's the first thing. So I just thought, you know what? No one's going to read these to-do lists. I should, you know, focus on the moments and be present and think about the stories that could come out of it. Even if it's a good or bad moment, right? There's a good story in it. Um, rather than the two to-do lists. So. Oh my God. I feel like that is such a deep life truth of like focus on the stories, not the to-do list. It is a reminder mm. that I myself often need, but it, I, and I love what you said too about um, it could be a good one or a bad one, but like it's story. Like I, yes. I had a, I dated someone when I was down in San Diego. That was like one of the biggest life truths he gave me is he's like, well, it's going to be a great time or a great story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and you are a stand-up, Liz. Like, you know that all the all the weird, bad misfortunes make really good material. So. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Sometimes it takes some time to get the perspective. But I think yeah. I learned at some point, um, thankfully early, that, like, the faster I could laugh at myself, the less painful life was going to be. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I feel like I, when I was in middle school, I remember tripping across the quad, like where everybody is. And you think that everyone's looking at you. Um, and I was like, well, I better just laugh at myself now rather than, you know, feel, look embarrassed. People will think like, oh, I did that on purpose. So, you know little totally no I, little I microcosm think, of what you learned no I honestly feel like that was like the direct implementation for me similarly is like if you trip and I feel like that was the example given is like if you trip laugh for like laugh before anyone else can laugh at you and then you're all laughing together yes <laughs> love it oh my gosh I'll totally that in, as I know I will trip in the near future <laughs> I like I still now that is like actually my natural reaction to tripping um but it was a a reprogrammed reaction for sure um well I would love to hear this is one of my favorite things to do on the podcast is to hear people's stories of how they came to be where they are and I know that you had such an interesting kind of like career trajectory to come to be where you are today um and I would love if, to the extent that you feel comfortable sharing with us, like, you know, I, I also think it's so interesting. So many people on this podcast, like had different professional experiences of the recession in like 2008, 2009, 2010. Mm. 
Um, yep. Unfortunately, that has not been the only recession in our lifetimes, but I think for a lot of us, it happened at like a really formative moment. So if you're willing to go back that far, um, would love to hear a little bit about like how you came to be doing the work you're doing today and like living the life you're living today. Yes. And it's so funny. If you continue doing this it, long into the future, you're going to be asking people about COVID and like the pandemic and how they dealt with that. Oh my um, God. Can you, I can't wait for us mm-hmm. to feel nostalgic about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. On Mars or wherever we are. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically I was right out of college um, and I moved from the Bay Area to New York to work in finance. Uh, this was 2007. Um, and I was really, you know, I was soaking it all in, right? You got to meet all these new people, right? As part of this new analyst class, uh, you know, you got to experience life in this new city and actually have some money right? Um, that you could call your own. Uh, and then the financial crisis hit. I happened to be working in fixed income at the time, which like in that space, like everyone joked how that was normally like a sleepy asset class, you know, you just like set it and forget it. And then that was not the case at all. Like this is where all the action was. Um, and just that whole experience, right. Of of that being my first job, like real job, just completely changed what I thought work was, Mm. or I guess set the baseline for what I thought work was because like each day I would come in, I wouldn't know if my team still existed. Like, oh, I didn't. That's so <laughs> existential. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, there was a lot of glamour around working in finance when I, you know, was applying and interviewing and all that. And all of that was just gone. I mean, it was like, you just didn't know, you didn't know if the markets were going to function the next day. Like you didn't know what clients were going to be furious about something or, or need you to explain like every little detail. It was just constant state of unknown. And um, this is a, I don't know, whatever. We're all friends here. <laughs> there were days where I would, I would look down at my chair and there'd be like a pool of sweat oh. just there because that's just what I, you know, what, how I was feeling um, and the kind of pressure I was feeling. So, you know, I, I obviously my experience very like minimal compared to just what people went through and financial implications, like, and losing their homes and everything. But, uh, it just, you know, overall, right. Like my experience, it was a confusing, very emotional time. Um, and in a very weird way though, it did force me to have to learn how to just keep delivering quality work in a high pressure environment, right? Like do it fast, make sure it's accurate um, and just get stuff done uh, because there was very little time to kind of worry or, or moan about it or all of that. You just had to, it was very all hands on deck all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I literally have nothing to compare it to before that. So that's what I... <laughs> That's what I thought work was, is that you should just be glad you have a job. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I think that that's kind of colored my, like the rest of the experiences that I've had. Um, 
so that was very intense, you know, two, three years. Um, I guess the other good thing, aside from just, you know, that kind of crazy work ethic, um, was that I got to see and really understand microfinance at the time, which was not really widely known. Um, but it really opened my eyes to see that there's other careers that I could pursue that are more aligned with my, you know, kind of my purpose, which for me is, you know, how do I take all the opportunities that I've been given with my, my family moving from the Philippines to the United States, like I was born here and, you know, how do I use those opportunities to really empower and elevate others? So I, you know, basically my dad also passed away um, after those three years of, of me working in that crazy intense environment, he passed away. And that really drilled down or drilled into me like, okay, I need to really think about what am I doing with my life, right? Mm. Like, is this job taking me further away from my family, taking me further away from my purpose? Um, and so I applied for grad school in San Diego. Um, it was helpful for a lot of reasons. It, it allowed me to be with my mom, right? And especially in those first couple of years when we were without my dad and trying to figure out like how to be a family um, without him. And it led me to you, Liz, I think like day <laughs> one of the program. Totally. Um, I got to meet you. And I also got to understand what corporate social responsibility even was, which again, was not a widely spread, you know, widely known term. Um, and I remember I was sitting with you, Liz, probably after a run and probably after a dinner. And I was telling you like what I wanted to do as a career without having a name for it. Mm. And you were, you looked at me and you were like, you should really look into corporate social responsibility. Oh my gosh, um, really? I do, I do not remember yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember, remember it so clearly. So it's just funny that like the coaching began and you didn't even remember it. Uh, but that's really, you know, from then on, I was like, oh, you could actually, you know, make a lot of change within a big company. Um, I started taking the classes in our grad program around corporate responsibility, got connected to an alum from our grad program who worked in corporate responsibility at my current company. Uh, and that's really kind of what allowed me to kind of step into that space. And I've been in that space. Um for the last 10 years. So, uh, you know, back then, right, you just don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what new fields, what new industries are going to be out there. Um, but I think the thing that you can be sure of, right, is just learn as much as you can from whatever it is that you happen to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, treat people well, because you don't know if that could lead to other opportunities. Um, and just be patient trust that you know whatever the next thing is that you do land in like that's not the last place you're going to be right like that's a place for you to learn as much as you can mm -hmm. and then just keep your eyes open and be ready for for the next thing and I think that's all that we can really do especially as technology is rapidly changing everything like we don't know the state of the world in the next 10 years 
but you can still have some sense of control, right, with where you are and just try to make yourself better and try to make other people around you better. Totally. Well, you're just such a living embodiment of that. And it's crazy thinking back now, um, just like how much was happening, like on a personal level when I first met you and had no idea. Um, and you're just such a ray of sunshine. Um, and even hearing like the wisdom that you share now about like, you know, trusting that it's all going to work out. And like, you know, I know we both mm. actually got into our corporate jobs via like mine was via an internship, yours was via a contract mm. role. Um, and it's one thing to say it now. And I also like look back at us like 10 plus years ago. And I'm like, I wish I could have believed it then, even though it was 100% true, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it's been that long. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Well, I mean, you, uh, throughout the course of our, our friendship, um, have inspired me in, like, such fun ways. I know you're talking about running, um, which we affectionately refer to as laughing forward. Yes, um, yes. You're also someone who taught me the importance of drinking sparkling water out of a wine glass if you're feeling <laughs> festive. <laughs> yep. Um, so I'm curi- curious, like, what's your current favorite, like, life hack to bring more joy into your day-to-day? Because I'm sure there's something. <laughs> yes. This came up not too long ago, and I think I texted you about it, Um, which is, so, well, a couple things. Um, so this all, like, relates to work, but trying to bring some fun into it, because let's be real, we spend a lot of time at work. Um, so if it's a drag, like that, that sucks all around. Um, but one of the things that I've tried to do is if I know that we're, uh, a group of us are meeting in person, uh, we use Google Docs. I'm sure most people do, but we, rather than put the agenda, right? Like title the actual file agenda. I try to put party, <laughs> you know, whatever the topic is, it's that party. Um, or sending out a note with some pre-work for people and I'll call it pre-game. And so far, nobody said anything bad about <laughs> it. But also nobody said anything. But Oh my God. Well, um, I love it so much. I feel like if someone said like, here's the pre-game for our party later, I'd be like, uh, obviously great. reading this email. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, you know, I don't think we're going to be drinking during it, but it at least makes people think of things not work-related um, and hopefully just unlock some, you know, just creativity. Because I've noticed over the years, it's really hard to, like, give your best work <laughs> if you don't feel safe or supported or, like, there's no, you know, harsh repercussions, right, if you say something that might be wrong and it's kind of this like improv environment. I did one improv class, but I watch a lot of stand-ups and, and love SNL. Oh my goodness. Um, if you wanted to be a professional <laughs> improviser, you a hundred percent could be. <laughs> oh man. So, but yeah, that environment, right? Like it's, I, I didn't realize this when I took my first class, but so much of it, well, not so much, but the beginning part, right. is just like everybody participates. You throw a ball around, right. You say something that comes to mind. Like it's, it's getting everybody engaged, making everybody feel safe. And I think you have to do that in today's work environment because there's so much untapped potential in people. Um, 
like you kind of have to create the environment that brings it out in them or makes them feel comfortable enough to. And I've known what it's like to work for people who don't make me feel safe or supported. And I know what my work was like there versus the people who assume the best right Mm. in me. And then it makes me want to just show, you know, like, like prove myself more or do more things. And then everybody ends up in a better place. So it's just, I mean, I've been lucky, like with my team and the things that I do, I, I know it's different for everybody, but that's, I guess, one thing that you could do, right? Like if you're in a position where, you know, you can affect the environment of the people you work with, do it like that. It makes, it makes your job more fun. It makes their job more fun. It makes the work better. And it, you know, I think you, you do that really well, Liz. Um, oh, our friend thank Arlene, you. Who's, <laughs> I hope listening later, uh, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing, like just treat your, treat your coworkers like your friends and be as empathetic, right. And as fun, like that's, you know, in a very simple way, like, I think that's just what you should try to do and kind of see what the results are. Have you been meaning to expand the circle of amazing women in your network, but it's been hard to find the time to connect consistently? Are you a member of a small team creating a big impact and you wish you had additional brains to tap to think strategically about what's next? Are you craving personal growth, community, and magic in your personal and professional life, but feeling like you don't know where to find it? Imagine if you had dedicated time and space to build relationships with other badass women in impact. Imagine if you had access to a brain trust of rock stars who are ready to help you solve any challenge, personal or professional. Imagine if you had an extended team of like-minded women cheering you on, hyping you up, opening doors, and helping you make your wildest dreams come true. Imagine if you took the time to really invest in yourself and be intentional about the impact you are here to make. The Girls Club Mastermind is a five-month mastermind for women who are changing the world. It is an intimate community of powerful women who are dedicated to lifting each other up. They are your hype women, your cheerleaders, and your extended team. The next round of the Girls Club Mastermind kicks off in April, and you don't want to miss it. Head to elizabethbest.com slash girlsclub. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H-B-E-S-T dot com slash girlsclub to learn more and apply today. totally well it's just like how can we be human um and I love the I love the improv uh call out because I mean I think the number one thing I did a couple improv classes and the number one thing I learned from improv which you'll laugh because you've called me out on this but I don't know if you knew it was an improv thing um is the yes and Mm -hmm. right it's like I have worked so hard I continue to work so hard to not say but (laughs) or no but it's just like yes and, um, that's like one of the core tenets of improv is like, you don't shut someone's idea down. You just build on it. Um, no matter how you may feel about it. I love the idea of bringing that philosophy, um, and thinking about like the ball game <laughs> into, yeah. into your job. Um, and I feel like it's been so cool as, as your friend, um, to see 
you get to over the past 10 years, like really step into some cool leadership roles. Um, and I definitely want to like also talk about like lessons learned along, along the way as, as you've been like a professional athlete. So we'll come back to that. But, (laughs) um, but I know that leading with gratitude is a big part of like how you approach Mm -hmm. leading the work that you're leading now. So I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about like what that means to you, um, and why it's important. Yeah. And I think especially, as we've gone through slash are still in uh, the pandemic. Um, I'm hoping this is happening at other companies too, but I know for us, like an intentional focus on how people are doing, right? And like kind of dialing up the care of their well-being. Um, Still working, still moving forward, but like just having a lot of... um, appreciation for whatever someone's situation might be. So it's hard for me to tell if it's because of (laughs) that, right? The pandemic and the effects that it's had on everybody's kind of mental and physical health. Um, Or if it's the girls club and kind of the things I've been learning, but I think leading with gratitude is just like, like treating everybody as humans. Right. And um, just, I guess, assuming, right, that, like, hey, they're putting their best forward. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, not say, like, hey, like, let's tweak this. Like, have we considered this? Because I think that at the heart of it, too, like, people come to work, they want to, they want to grow, you know, like, they want to develop their skills. Um, so I think it's just, it's just treating people with the best or assuming the best intent. Um, I think it's, you know, whenever you bring people together, carving out a moment to just reflect on what worked really well, uh, whether it's that day or like you're looking back over the year or the quarter or whatever. Um, it's allowing people to do a little bit of a show and tell too, right. Of like some, some things that they've learned Um some, you know, product or deliverable, right, that they've created, like, just what was the journey behind it? Um, Because I think that humanizes a lot of the work that we do, especially in our team, which is very data focused. Um, Data is a piece of it, but like the journey, the narrative, right, the conversations that have been taking place around it, that's all super interesting. So it's giving people the space to be able to share that. And you know, if we were in person, we'd high five about it, but we're not in person. So, um, you know, it's really just creating space to like celebrate people, celebrate, you know, each other. I've recently learned through Girls Club to celebrate myself. Right. And Mm. I think that's really what it is. It's, it's not beating yourself up for what you could have done. Right. It's, saying, hey, we did our damn best. (laughs) There are other circumstances that came up. Did we do our best? Yes. So let's be proud of that. Um, Which is hard to do when there's so many factors in not only within a company, but like with our whole world and society. But that's at least what I like try to try to aim for. Um, And I hope too, like that that again, this whole multiplier effect, you know, if you're, if you're able to 
give people a space where they feel supported. Hopefully, right, they're able to do that with their immediate sphere of influence. And then later on, right, like whoever, whatever team they're on, that's something they can also try to practice. So long answer to <laughs> what gratitude is, but it's a really strong approach for anything in life, right? It's, and it's, it's a learned skill. Um, it didn't come naturally to me at all to, to like carve out space for gratitude and celebration. But man, if you do that, right, if you create that narrative in your head, even looking back on a bad experience or a good experience, like that's kind of the key to anything, right? There's no accounting that takes place of like, <laughs> oh, did that happen or did that happen? Like, nope, you're going to remember what you took away from it. Um, and similarly, when you're talking to other people, right? Like whatever your narrative is, that's what they're going to take away from it. So mm. it's empowering, right? To just be like, oh, I actually have a choice here. Totally. You're reminding me of this quote. I don't even know where it came from. And it's like, people won't remember what you said. They'll remember how mm. you made them feel. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, I know like this, like, um, narrative building is something that's been so transformational for you. Like, do you have any like tips or tricks if someone's listening and they're thinking like, huh, like how do I create a narrative around an experience or around my work or around like my team's work? Like what advice would you offer? Yeah. I think for someone who like me, (laughs) um, had a really hard time, uh, kind of taking ownership of that narrative, I would say, talk to other people, right? Talk to your close friends, talk to, you know, your partner, talk to your family, talk to other people at work and just, you know, either you can bring it up or just talk to them about something, right? Like that issue that you're going through or whatever. Um, Because more often than not, they will have, a narrative of you that is so positive, you know, or like, or, you know, more positive than your own narrative for yourself. I should Mm -hmm. say, I shouldn't say it's like always going to be glowing, but, um, you know, and there's something to be said about just a third party point of view. I think this is why, right. A lot of companies hire consultants to come in and, you know, review things or, or, you know, do an analysis for them is because you probably got stuck. That company probably got stuck in a narrative of like, Oh, that thing's going to be too hard or, Oh, we're really bad at this. Mm. Right. So in the same way, I, you know, I needed to hear it from other people to just feel like, Oh, okay. Well, let me like forget about those other things that I think. <laughs> and let me just like hold on to the things that seem to be a common thread across all these other data points and then use that as my narrative so that going forward and I kind of feel this now like if I get some sort of like negative thing like feedback or something doesn't go right at least I know like my I'm on the right track you know Mm -hmm. like it's not so existential uh, yeah exactly and and I think like honestly some of that comes with time just being like (laughs) in a team or in a company or in a, in the working 
world outside of school, like some of that takes time because I know once you're first starting, like it can feel like any piece of feedback is huge, right? Just because that's your only piece of feedback. So I would just say like, talk to other people, know that they've probably got a narrative of you that isn't all bad, like the narrative (laughs) you might have in your head. And then also just be patient and give it time for those data points to kind of come in and and be collected. Um, Yeah. And then I feel like I'm, I'm so speaking my data, like I'm revealing my data head right now, but I love it. (laughs) That's helped a lot. It's kind of the equivalent of Googling an answer, (laughs) but like you can't Google yourself. Well, but but I think, and and honestly, I do this work with a lot of my one-on-one clients. Like you kind of can in the sense that like, (laughs) if you ask like, you know, three, four or five people who know you and whether you're thinking in a personal Mm -hmm. capacity or work capacity, like, Hey, what are the three words that you would use to describe me? I've literally given this as homework. Like, they're going to come back and say some things that you're like, oh, my God, that's me? (laughs) It can be like, I mean, people are so generous. I think it can be so validating. Um, And obviously, like, I would say if you do that, like, offer to return the favor if people want to know. But I love that. I love the data, like, lens that you're applying to it of, like, yeah, like get some, you know, get some of those data points and um, let some of that like be your story in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting to me how we can be so much meaner to ourselves and our heads than like and we would ever allow a person, a physical person to be to us in our life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's so wild. Um, but I also really want to make sure that we talk about, because you are doing such cool work about, you know, how we can create more inclusive companies, um, inclusive Mm -hmm. cultures within organizations. I'd be remiss if I didn't make sure. Uh, I asked you a little bit about that. And I'm curious, like, you are using data to really think through, like, what this can truly mean, what it can truly look like. Um, And what do you think organizations can do to meaningfully move the needle in creating cultures where everyone can feel safe to be their full and authentic self. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think what's interesting is like trying to do this at a large scale with a, a company of our size, but we're dealing with very individual human interactions and issues. Um, so I guess one thing that we've learned, uh, which very much relates to my role is just, like you have to be very granular, very surgical. That's the term that I that comes to mind, like about your approach. So as an example, right, blanketing all of a particular group into one race or ethnicity and assuming that everyone's experienced no matter if they're, you know, male, female, or at a certain level or a certain sub-ethnicity within that, like everyone's experience is so different and so unique that we have to go further and we have to look at those smaller, smaller groups. Um, so I would just say, you know, be, be very surgical about your approach and there is no blanket solution. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, you know, I feel like so much of business is like, Oh, what can you scale? What can you, 
you know, what's your one size fits all approach. And that just doesn't work when you're actually dealing with humans. So one thing that I've noticed too, is just, there's a lot of, um, a lot of people on our team who invest in the relationships with other parts of the firm. Mm. And I have so much respect for that because I think that's what, that's how you make change, right? Is like you, you need to be at a certain level of camaraderie with other functions, other teams to understand like, okay, what are the actual levers for change? What are the processes? What could we change in order to create a certain outcome? And you can't do that in a silo. Like you can't do that in an ivory tower. You can't do that. I mean, there's so many movies that show like what happens. I'm not, you know, Hunger Games and Uprisings as a strange example that I just thought about. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you have to be connected um, in order to actually think about like and design something that could make change. Um, and the other thing is you just have to, you have to start by listening you cannot assume, right, that just because a certain trend has been taking place over the last few years, you can't assume that you know why that is. Like, you have to start with listening. Um, and it's it's long, it's long sort of, it's a, it's a very long marathon. But I think if you surround yourself with the right people, if you surround yourself with just that right mindset, like, you know, you could, you could really do anything. And I guess we're laughing forward at work <laughs> where we could try to, um, but that's what I'd say. It's just like, we've got to keep it, you know, don't, don't do, try to do this blanket approach. Um, and just make sure that you, I guess, have like a very human relationship with people outside of your team so that you can really think together about how to create that change. Um, so all of this is weaving together, <laughs> the, the running thing, the like, you know, be empathetic, everybody's a human thing, but um, it's all, I guess that's what it really all just clicked for me once I kind of moved into this role, focusing on our um, inclusion um, efforts within our, our four walls. So totally. No, I, I love, I love that so much. I think so often for so much of this like change agent type work, like I've been struck again and again in my career by the fact that like, as an outsider, you like look at a company and you're like, Oh, that company should be doing like X. Like, why aren't they doing X? And often, you know, my personal opinion is that the reason that they're not doing it is usually comes down to like how, how influential or like, but I don't mean influential, like, mm -hmm. um, like an influencer <laughs> like uh, in terms of seniority, but like, like how good of relationships does the person who's in charge of like shepherding yes. that initiative have within the organization to be able to get everyone on the same team and like rowing in the same direction? Yes. Which took me a long time to realize, um, <laughs> probably longer than most people. But yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, right? It's not about being the smartest person in the room. Like you could know your and you know like climate change sustainability is very technical. It's not about being the most technical person. It's how do you like bridge the gap and make everybody come along the journey mm -hmm. in a way that they want to, mm -hmm. not that they're being forced to. Um which 
that should be in a job description somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It's like, how do you quantify that? Because I also think what is going to be effective is is often different, like organization to organization too. But I think there are some core principles, a lot of which you've touched on um, that work. And Oh my gosh, I realized like we're coming up on time, even though I could talk to you literally forever. Um, and I intend to. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. the two other couple other things I wanted to make sure to ask you about. Um, and one is leadership lessons from Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> but specifically, you know, I know and we kind of like glossed over this, we don't need to get into all the details, but you've held a number of different roles within the same organization over the past mm. 10 years. Like You've, like, played a lot of positions on the team, if we're going to continue the metaphor. Um, And I know you have a picture of Ted Lasso, like, up in front of you right now. So I'm curious, like, (laughs) just in terms of, like, anything that you want to share with people listening who may or may not have watched the show (laughs) with uh, leadership things that have come through from that. There's, like, a silly part of it, which is, you know, for everyone, anyone who's watched the show, right, like, he's he's not British. (laughs) Um, it's from like the heart of America and just is unabashedly that way. Uh, that's just, you know, one example, right. Of people really want to be on a team with somebody who is being themselves. Um, and it could be different than what they're used to. Uh, but there's just something there about like being your authentic self and people can either reject it or they can warm up to it. But that then allows other people, right, to feel like, oh, well, I can be silly too, or I can be, you know, I can be whoever I am. So I think that's one thing. Um, it's just be who you are and don't apologize for it. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing too is like just just keep moving forward. So if, if you don't know enough about something, just keep moving forward, like get really invest in getting to know the people who do know a lot about it. Um, and the rest will follow because no one should ever feel like I need to know a hundred percent, 120% about something before I can make an like, you know, make a decision or, or move forward. If that was the case, like, I, I mean, for good or bad, like oh, all of our history wouldn't have happened. <laughs> but um, so I think it's just, you know, it's, it's that, right. It's like, just move forward, trust the people around you, invest in the people around you, and it will all work itself out. Um, and as I say this, I'm really hoping somebody somehow I get biscuits that are delivered to me <laughs> or I can find biscuits. Cause that was a big part of um, how he approached his boss. Um, <laughs> but anyway, maybe I'm just hungry. Totally. Which, as you know, Liz is always the case. Uh, yes. Well, I'll, I'll be Googling San Diego biscuit delivery services after, <laughs> after our calls, <laughs> let you know if I find anything good. Um, well, I feel like you've already shared so much wisdom. Um, and I'm really curious what your answer to this question is. What advice would you want to give your younger self? And you can totally picture or pick an age or just like generic younger self advice. Probably, I mean, going back to the theme earlier, like focus on the stories. Mm. Um, 
I think stories force you to reflect um, and that forces you in a weird way to like live in the moment as well. So I would say just focus on the stories. Life is a collection <laughs> of stories and you should feel like you've got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good material that you could actually talk about. Mm. Um, so permission to, to just reflect, permission to be yourself um, and feel like that's okay. Um, I wish I could tell my younger self that because <laughs> maybe she would have written down some stories. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Um, well, in the same vein, um, I think, you know, I ask everyone on the podcast for like their inspirational post-it note mm -hmm. and my desk is covered right now <laughs> and messages yeah. from people. I'm going to get these printed one day in some form or fashion. Um, but what would you want to put on your inspirational post-it note? Yes. Um, there's so many. <laughs> I would say. You don't have to pick one if you have a couple. Okay, good. Because one of them is actually a card you sent me, Liz, which is I love your boundaries. That's, that's <laughs> up there. Um, I've got Ted Lasso and the Believe sign. Um, and then one that I have uh, at the top of my to-do list, um, so I see it every day, is actually a quote from Indra Noyi, the former CEO of Pepsi, um, which is that leadership is hard to define and good leadership even harder. But if you can get people to follow you to the ends of the earth, you are a great leader. Mm. Um, those are the three that I look at each day. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Like letting it wash over me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, as again, as you know, we could talk for hours. I still have like 18,000 more things I want to ask you on everything from like boundaries to feminine leadership and data and decision-making and human-centric design. So I'm going to extend an invite now for you to come back one day in the future. Um, yes. Amazing. Uh, and I would love to end with like, is there a good place if people want to like find you or keep in touch with you or follow along? Is there a good place for them to do so? Yeah, um, probably my, I don't have a website or anything, so I, my, my like head LinkedIn just goes to maybe? LinkedIn or and Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I'd say LinkedIn, um, if you can spell my last name. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes so people can track you down. Amazing. Uh, Stacy, you're the best, and honestly, it's been, like, so fun to chat with you today. It was such an honor to have you as the founding member of the Girls Club. I feel like you just brought so much joy to the experience. Um, and I'm just so grateful to have you in my world. Thank you so much for all of the knowledge and wisdom and advice and quotable quotes that you've shared uh, with our listeners today. Well, thanks for unlocking that part of me that, uh, that I, you know, I felt comfortable enough to share. So uh, I'm happy to come back and yeah, thanks for inviting me, Liz. Oh my gosh, of course. My pleasure. Have an awesome rest of your day, Stace. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is liz.best, that's L-I-S dot B-E-S-T, or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Liz Best.
Join my mail list by visiting elizabethbest.com slash monthly meditation and you'll receive all the latest updates on events, retreats, and opportunities to work with me, plus a monthly love note from my heart to your inbox. I am so excited to keep in touch and I'll see you in the next episode.